What happens when a radio broadcaster gets let go from his sports talk job? Well, he tries to figure out what he wants to do next for a career. And in the meantime, joins the 4 million other podcasts on the internet and the John Cast is born. Join me each week as I talk to guests I find interesting or entertaining from the world of sports, play-by-play broadcasting, or whatever else sounds fascinating to me at the moment. The John Cast is what I'm doing until I figure out what I'm doing. Subscribe, download, and I hope you learn something along the way. Jeff Levering, what are you drinking this morning? I am drinking a cup of coffee that does not have any alcohol in it quite yet. It's <laughs> too, too early. Cheers. Nice. Cheers. Cheers to you, John. I like this podcast because I can just sit here and drink coffee and, and talk to people and be silly and whatever happens, happens. But uh, my guest here today is a Brewers broadcaster, and he works alongside legendary and Hall of Fame broadcaster Bob Euchre. It's Jeff Levering. Hey, Jeff. Hey, hi, John. It's so great to be the other guy. This, I, <laughs> I, I should I'm really put you, that. I'm giving I should you the put business. it on. No, it's got to be on a on a business card somewhere like Jeff Levering, the other guy. And it's totally fine. I totally embrace it. And if I could be the other guy to anybody, why not Bob Uecker, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, how did he come up with that pitching machine stunt when he threw up the first pitch? That was that was pretty <laughs> funny. And I, I thought that was pretty, pretty well done. It, uh, it kind of came to fruition the day before, as a matter of fact. We were kind of talking in the booth um, about, because he's, he's had some oblique issues over the last couple of years. And, um, and he goes, man, I just, I don't want to bounce it. And I don't know if I'm throwing accounts yet. I don't know if I'm throwing to my son, Bob Jr. yet. So, um, you know, why don't I just bring a pitching machine out there? That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> and then it kind of got some legs. We were just chatting about it. And then, um, and then Mark Atanasio walked in the booth and he was talking about it. He goes, yeah, I think I'm going to put a pitching machine out there. And Mark just started laughing his tail off. Um, and he goes, okay, who do we need to talk to? And that's kind of when it kind of, it, it really came to fruition. Then is when Mark got involved. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. Do you have, when people talk to you and they say that you work with, and you say that you work with Bob and they figure out what you do. Do you have a Bob Euchre go-to story? I mean, I, I have so many. There are, there are a bunch of Bob Euchre stories and, and not many, uh, a good amount involved me over the last seven years. But there's so many that he can, he can just rattle off about times with Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays. He's got a couple of really good ones with Willie Mays. Howard Cosell stories are always good. Um, some of those are for, for broadcast. Some of them are not, um, of course. But I mean, one of one of my go-tos just happened a couple of years ago when when the Brewers clinched the the wild card berth in 2019 and clinched a playoff spot. The Brewers were in Cincinnati, and Uke, as we're wrapping up our our post game show, and he's about ready to go down and celebrate, gets a phone call. And it was Joe Torre, and uh, Joe Torre happened to be in San Francisco, and he goes, "Hey, Uke, I got someone who wants to talk to you." And so he's on speakerphone, and I'm sitting right next to him, and. Uh, this voice comes on the phone. He goes, hey, Yuki. He goes, it's Willie Mays. And Willie Mays just wanted to talk to you and congratulate him and, and just chat. And, and Willie goes, what are you up to? He goes, well, you know, I'm still an active player. Um, no, you're not. Come on, you. You're kidding me. You're not an active player. Yeah, well, I don't play every day. I get an at-bat every week. And I think to this day, Willie thinks that Yuke's playing. Um, so that's fun. That's, it's always a good story to, to tell. That's awesome. From a, yeah. that's, that's so funny from a play by play perspective. What do you learn from working with somebody like that? 
it's not necessarily nuts and bolts, but it's more of just how to be yourself um, and how everything that's happening that you should be talking about is out in front of you. Uh, that's, that's one of the things that my first year when I wasn't the, the number two guy uh, and I was just filling in for Bob, one thing that I always observed, he's got a computer over to his side and he's got a monitor over to his side, but he's always looking out and he's not looking at his monitors because everything that you're talking about, especially on the radio broadcast, because you are the eyes and the ears of everybody else, everything that you need to paint your, your picture is in front of you. So that's where the focus should be. You should always be looking out. Um, and, and that's a good thing. You should always be focused on the game and, and on the crowd. And the other thing that, that one of the major things is that you should let the game speak for itself. Um, if there's a big moment, it's okay to shut up and let the crowd talk for you because there's that pure emotion. And not only is it great for the, the listening audience to hear the crowd, it also gives you, the broadcaster, an opportunity to collect your thoughts a little bit and to breathe and to just process the moment and enjoy it a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think those are two major things that, that I've learned from you. Um, make sure you're paying attention to everything that's out in front of you because that's what you need. And, and just learn to be quiet sometimes because the game will, and the fans will tell you what you need to know. When did you know that you wanted to do play-by-play broadcasting, and where did you get your start? Um, if you ask old teammates of mine, they'll tell you that when I was in the dugout, I was doing play-by-play when I was still playing, and I played all the way through college. Um, I'll tell you that the first time that I ever did play-by-play, I was a junior in college, um, and I did a, a softball game. and. Um, I was awful. I mean, I go back and I watch that tape. It's on, on beta SP. It's not even on an SX tape. It's on an SP tape. If I go back and I watch that, um, I cringe a lot just because of the things I said and the way that I was trying to call the game. But afterwards, my professor, who I was doing the game for and for the local TV station, he thought I did great. And I went, I, how do you think I did great? I felt terrible. <laughs> Everything I said was awful. Every time my color commentator said anything, I responded with most definitely. Every, th- every time he could say, she ran fast up the first base. I went, oh, most definitely. Every time. <laughs> so, but the fact that the professor at the end of the, at the, end of the broadcast said, man, you, you, you could do this. I went, okay, well, I, I'll give it a shot. And then I did it in the basketball game. And then I ended up doing a football game. Never did a baseball game. Um, until after I was done, but doing that one softball game and kind of getting that itch and having the headset on and having the director and the producer in your ears and kind of walking you through what you needed to do. That that's when I really got the, the urge to do it. I knew I wasn't going to play professional baseball. Um, so that, that's kind of when I, I knew that that was the path I wanted to go down. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. That's so cool. And I know what you're talking about. I I don't remember, I don't have any of my first tapes or anything. And I'm glad I, you know what, I actually might downstairs on some sort of uh, cassette tape, but I did find recently, oh, where'd it go? I I found a CD of my first volleyball match. It's it's over here somewhere. And I'm like, ooh, I remember after that match, I called Brian Posick. 
um, because he asked, you know, how how things go. And I was like, uh, I give myself like a C minus, maybe a D. It was awful. I didn't know what was happening. The ball moved really fast. I didn't know any of the terms. And I have it over here. And I listened to it just like the other week. And I was like, I can stop that right now. We don't need to listen to any more of this um, because it's it was different. It was new. But even in college, so I started in college um, probably about year 2000 or so calling Winona State basketball and football games. And I was actually the sports director. So uh, no one applied for the sports director job. So I said, hey, I'll do it. And then I was able to give myself all the play by play jobs. Because I got to schedule everything. I'm like, I think I'll do that and that and mm-hmm. that. And I know it wasn't good. I always had like the cute little phrases I wanted to say during the broadcast. And then that always turns out probably not not the best. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did it know. too. You write it up in the corner. You're like, yep, I'm going to get boomed up. Goes the dynamite in there. I'm going to get this in there. I'm going to try it. Why not? Why not? So what was your first like major job where you're like, okay, I guess this is what I'm going to try to do. Um, so after I graduated college, I, I should say this my spring semester, my senior year, I was playing baseball, graduating, and I interned. That was my first real big internship. I was working at Fox West and Prime Ticket in Los Angeles. Um, started out logging tapes. You know, you're watching the games and logging when Kobe Bryant makes a layup or Lamar Odom makes a jumper and the different angles. So I'm logging tapes, and then I became an editor. Uh, for their sports, kind of their sports center light type of show uh, that they used to run. And then they started having me go down to Angel Stadium and start running tapes and doing the radar gun and sitting in the booth behind Steve Fiziak and Rex Hubler. Um, so I, I was doing all that spring semester, my senior year, plus graduating and finishing up my baseball career. And all those things just kind of ended within a week of each other. Like my, my last at bat was a fly out to left in the college world series up in Appleton. Um, then I graduated, I graduated actually the week before that graduated in my baseball uniform, as a matter of fact, cause we won the regional the same day. I was driving by the school as the graduation ceremony was going by, we were going to our post game party and celebration and they were announcing the kids in my class. So I said, I'm just going to go and say hi to everybody. I'm just assuming I was going to miss it. I was still in my baseball uniform and I jumped over the fence at graduation. And um, one of my classmates gave me her robe, her, I borrowed her robe and uh, put on the cap, wrote my name on a piece of paper, walked over the stage, took a picture of the president of the university, walked off stage and then went and partied. That was my graduation. Um, best way to do it. No speeches, yeah. no nothing. 10 minutes. My dad was in the car and he heard him say my name over the loudspeaker. So like, okay, good for me. Um, so all that stuff ended, my internship ended and, um, nobody told me to stop coming into work. So I just kept showing up and and nobody told me to stop. So that turned in. Yeah. And it turned into a full-time job because, uh, producers liked my work ethic and, um, I just kept getting put on different shows and different magazine shows. And then someone decided to put me on the air. I almost got them fired. So that was fun. Um, and then wait, the wait, first, wait, 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 you got to stop. You yeah. almost got fired. No, so I almost got someone fired because oh. they put me because they put me on the air. They could be oh. coordinating producer. OK, they for the high school sports show. Um, Toby Gerhardt. Remember that name? Stanford and played in the NFL for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Broke the California state rushing record. And they sent me out for the high school sports show. I had a camera and a microphone and nobody else was covering the game. So this dude is going to bake the the state rushing record that had been held for 30 years. And I was the only camera there. 
So, I mean, I'm going to interview him, right? His dad's the coach, his brother's the offensive tackle. So uh, after the game, I go and grab him. The whole school is behind me and I interview him and Hey, congratulations. And they aired it. They put it on the air. Cause why not? Yeah. And the coordinating producer just got his hand slapped and almost got fired. And, but that was the first time I got on real air, um, which is pretty neat. Yeah. Um, so the first play by play job that I had was that summer, 2006. Um, I got a call from one of my buddies who was the PA announcer with the Rancho Cucamonga quakes. Okay. And, uh, I was supposed to work an angel game that night. And I said, you know what? I, I have an opportunity to play by play. I'd never done baseball play by play before. And uh, my buddy calls and said, Hey, they do local TV on Saturdays. So would you be available to do the radio broadcast for them? Someone might give you a call here. Uh, and that was on a Monday and the game was Saturday. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll wait for the phone call. Just give them my number. I got a call about midnight on Friday, that Friday night and said, Hey, could you work tomorrow? Do you think this is something you might want to do? I'd never done radio before ever in my life. Um, and I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll be there. So I ended up doing the game. I got there way too early. It was like a seven o'clock game. I got there at noon because I didn't know what the traffic was going to be like. And plus, I didn't know any of the players. I needed to do all the prep, um, needed to learn all the gear. I ended up doing my pregame interview. Realized after I did the pregame interview with Sean Rodriguez, former big leaguer as well. Um, come back upstairs, ready to send my interview down the line and realize I didn't hit record. <laughs> so I had to go do it again. I'm already off to a great start. About the seventh inning rolls around. It's a terrible game. Like 10 to two, the Quakes are losing. And then they decide to give up like 10 runs in the seventh inning. And um, I hadn't gone to the bathroom since about three yeah. in the afternoon. And uh, it's getting late. It's getting real late. And just to kind of set the scene for you a little bit, there were three broadcasts going on in the same room. There was the visiting broadcast, the visiting radio broadcast. There was the TV broadcast. And then I was on kind of risers behind everybody doing the home radio broadcast. So by the seventh inning, they give up 10 runs. There's three pitching changes. They don't go to breaks on pitching changes. So I'm up there and I'm doing pee-pee dance. I'm like, this is something's going to happen. I got three innings to go. This is... This is bad. So I had a 32 ounce arrowhead bottle of, of water that was sitting in front of me. And I went, I'm either going in my pants or this is happening. And um, so I ended up peeing in a bottle in the middle of, of the broadcast. Um, and I have the tape. I have the tape of this. It's on a mini disc. Yeah. It's on a mini disc um, that I had down in my basement. And I listened to it every now and again. And I could tell it's like, and here goes a tutu pitch. And <laughs> Um, it's kind of a long, long winded way to get to your question. But at that moment, when I did my first baseball game and all these things were happening that were stacked against me, I went, this is what I want to do. And, um, I ended up doing five games that summer and then got the full-time job going into 2007. Um, but yeah, uh, first game, I uh, first baseball game I ever did. I peed in a bottle on the air. Wow. At something, yeah. you learned something new here today. I'd had I know. No, I, I've never, <laughs> I, I think we all broadcasters have kind of had those moments with, with the restroom. We're like, Oh boy, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've never had to resort to the bottle. Um, yeah. that is hilarious. Let me tell you yeah. that. Um, very first time that's, that's a story right there. 
Yeah, it's in a book. It's published in a book somewhere. So it's not like I'm breaking news, okay. but it is it is it is out there. Uh, but I've never had that issue ever again since yeah. then. Yeah. So we've we've been good. Well, I work at the field house calling volleyball, and I'll tell you what, I'm in the upper deck. I don't know if you've ever been to the Wisconsin field house. Yeah. And um every once in a while there's a break between sets two and three, and it's five minutes long. It used to be like 12 minutes, which was way better. But anyway, it's like five minutes long. I have a 90 second interview and a one minute break. And every once in a while, I'm like, here we go. Stretch out. And I go down like three flights of stairs, run by everybody, use the restroom, then then go up like three flights of stairs, like two at a time. I get back and it's usually right at about that two and a half minute mark. And, um, and then I have to go on the air. And it's always, it's, this has happened multiple times. And it, that's why it's hard for me sometimes to drink during a broadcast. Like, I don't even want to drink water, especially with you with a baseball game. That thing could go like six hours. Um, yeah. and, and so then it's always, I come back and I'm like, third set. And I'm like turning off my mic, trying to just gasp for breath. Here's the serve. Turn down my microphone, just trying to get all that, that oxygen back into my system. But yeah, so I understand the struggle. I understand the struggle with that, with the restroom that many people, they have no idea what it's like, what it's like to do that. But, yeah. you know, I don't think I could ever call, well, it's not true. I could call baseball, but the thing with baseball for me is the downtime. How do you feel like there's so much downtime? You have to have stories. Yeah, that's where working with a guy like Uke is awesome. Yeah. Um, in like a 10 nothing game, either way, Uke, all you have to do is kind of wind him up and you just keep poking the bear a little bit. And it's you get story after story after story. Um, you know, for, for me, who doesn't have that Rolodex of stories, it's, it's great to, to go back and tell the individual stories of players on the, the beauty of radio is the fact that you can go back and you can reset everything at any given moment, right? So this is who we are, where we are, how we got here. Mm-hmm. You can do out-of-town scoreboard. Like there are so many different ways to fill that time. Um, and like I said before, looking out and seeing everything in the ballpark, you can pick out a fan um, and tell some random story about a fan. Um a couple of days ago, we were there was somebody who had a marriage proposal up on the video board, and Lane and I came up with this crazy story about this marriage proposal, whether it was true or not. We just had some fun with it, and then it <laughs> got into another conversation about whether or not marriage proposals on scoreboards are even is a good thing or not. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm opposed to them. I'm not a big fan of marriage proposals on the scoreboard. Why? I don't know. I just, there's something about it. Like, come on, man, that should just be you and the other person, or it should just be between you two. And I've seen one that went bad before. I saw one legit go bad in the minor leagues. Like she said, no. And that's in front of everybody. And now he's going to have to live with that. And that this is kind of where we went with the inning. Did they come to the ball game together? I mean, it's in the third inning when you do this thing. You're going to sit there with this person for the next seven innings. Yeah. Are you going to buy him a beer? Do you have to drive home with this person? Are you getting in a taxi and going home? How's this thing work out? Awkward drive home. Right. Right. So that yeah. those are things that you fill time with. You just have stories and and you have a good time. Um, baseball is great because the, the way that I go about a broadcast is is almost like you're sitting in a bar talking with your buddies. 
that's that's kind of how I want to to portray how a broadcast is going. I don't want to sound like I know everything because I have no clue most of the time. I want to make sure that the listeners are having a good time. If you're outside cutting the yard, you're entertained. If you're gardening, if you're barbecuing in the backyard, whatever it is, I want you to feel like you're there. Um, and describing what's happening in the ballpark is a great way to do that. And it's a good way to kill the silence. Yeah. What, how much does it take? I want to actually talk about the brewers here eventually too, but I, I'm, I'm going to pick your brain about play-by-play stuff. Mm-hmm. When you prepare for a game, like uh, baseball's a grind baseball's every single day. Like how much time do you prepare for just like one game? I mean, obviously the series, you know, that, that kind of helps that you have the same team over and over, but how, how does that process work with baseball? Well, sports are different. Um, you know, my foot, if I'm doing a football game, I spend a day for every hour I'm going to be on the air. Right. That's kind of my rule of thumb. So okay. say it's a three hour game. I'm going to spend at least three days preparing for that football game for a basketball game. It's usually two days. It's a day per team. Typically um, for baseball, it is every day. So for the Brewers, you see them every day. I do them 162 games. It's not going to take a whole lot of prep. I know what these guys are doing. I know what their preparations like. It's more the preparation for the other teams that are coming in. Um and that it's usually just reading up on what's going on with the other team in the morning. Um, maybe, maybe watching a couple of innings from the previous start, from the previous player, uh, from the pitcher that's going that particular day. It, it's really not as grinding. If I say I was doing a national game, if I had to leave the Brewers to go do a national game and it was the Rays against the Red Sox and I hadn't seen either of those teams, the preparation would be different. It would be a lot different. Um, I'd, I'd probably go over the last 10 games for both teams and kind of see the trends and what's happening and read their game notes and kind of get a feel for what's going on with those two teams. But for everyday brewers, it's it's not as grindy um, as one might think, just because you've seen it and you're reading the clips and you're talking to the players and talking to the writers and uh, talking to the coaching staff uh, and especially working with Uke too, because with you, you could prepare for as much as you want, but the chances you're going to get that stuff in with him on the air, slim, super, because you just don't know where he's going to go. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Um, Cause he could go anywhere. And it's kind of fun just to, to fly by the seat of your pants when you're working with a guy like Bob, but the, the preparation again, it's, I, I do it. I, I'm there. I'm reading the, the clips every single morning, reading the, the, the recap of the game from the previous night, kind of the preview of what's happening. Um, I'll get into the Braves here in the next couple of days, talking about the postseason series and what they've been doing recently. Um, but it's it's an everyday thing. You got to stay up up to date with what's going on. That's for sure. All right. So obviously, if you weren't doing baseball, that's kind of your career. If you weren't doing baseball, because you do other sports, Big Ten Network and things like that. Which sport would you pick if baseball all of a sudden said, no, we, we, we can't, we're not going to do any more play-by-play with you? Um, that's a great question. I love doing basketball. Basketball is fun. It's, it's upbeat. I love the college game. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that that would, that would be a fun opportunity for me. I, I love doing college football. I haven't had the opportunity to do as much as I'd like. Um, I've done a handful of ball games. I might have a couple here in the fall coming up too. Um, but I think the, the college game is is a lot of fun. 
um, both basketball and football. Baseball's it, it's what I know. I, I've it, it would it would be a really tough thing to to give up. I tell you that much. If if baseball didn't work out, it would be really tough not to to continue to to try and find a spot there. But if it didn't, basketball and, and football would be my my next two for sure. I got to ask you too. I, I wore this shirt just for you. Nice. It is, it is a Hank the dog shirt. What what? How's Hank doing? Do you know any? Do we have any updates on Hank the dog? We never hear updates on him anymore. As far as I know, Hank is doing great. Okay. Hank is living a, a good life. Yeah. Um, was adopted by one of our, our senior vice presidents, uh, Marty Ronsky, who's our, our head of legal with the Brewers. I believe Hank is living a good life, good. Um, doing just fine, probably getting dog manicures every other week and just living on puppy chow and, and doing great. Yeah. Okay. I just I haven't seen about- him in a while. Yeah, I know. I think about Hank every once in a while. I'm like, what happened to Hank? I hope Hank's doing all right. I want to see <laughs> Hank. I want to go. I never got to pet Hank. I hope I, I do someday. Hey, by the way, we're doing the Zoom in the morning. We're having our coffee with Jeff Levering, and uh, you had to take your kids to school. So you've got two kids, right? Yes, two kids. Uh, seven, uh, just turned seven, and a okay. uh, three-year-old who will be four in December. Okay, so I just saw, this is pretty cool. Your, is it your three-year-old did the, the mini sausage race with Stephen Colbert? Is, is that what, what happened there? So it was my seven-year-old. It was my oh, eldest. seven-year-old. Um, okay. Yeah. So he, um, that was the second time he's running this, the mini sausage race, um, this year. First time he did it, he was part of, um, part of the, the big sausage race and the handoff to the mini sausages. Right. Okay. And then the Stephen Colbert thing just, I don't, it just randomly happened. Uh, we got a call from, from our, one of our directors of entertainment, Amanda, who runs everything on the field. And she goes, we're going to have a special guest come in and we need, we'd like to have Brock running the sausage race. Son is Brock. And, um, so, okay. Yeah, no problem. Sounds good. Um, and then a couple of days before he's supposed to run in it, she said, Hey, can, can he come down to the ballpark and rehearse? I mean, rehearse. We, we talking about rehearse. She goes, well, I mean, it's going to be a little different. It's not like it normally is. So you just want to make sure he's okay for that. I, mean, I, I guess we can get him down there, whatever. We were on the road. So my wife had to go down there and, and take him to the rehearsal, quote unquote. So he's doing the whole thing. He's not doing just the half of it, right? He ends up running the whole thing from third base all the way yeah. to first base. So him and his little short legs ran out of gas around home plate. He was the mini bratwurst. Ken Spindler, who's one of my bosses, he's director of broadcasting now with the Brewers. His son, who's like a mutant seven-year-old, he is huge. He's a monster, super athletic, plays football, probably going to play for the Packers in a couple of years. Like he's going to get college uh, college scholarship offers at the age of 10. Um, just a monster. He was the one who won the race. Okay, My son ended up, I think he might have beat Colbert by a half a step. Um, it was pretty cool for him. Like my son doesn't know who Stephen Colbert is. He's asleep at seven o'clock. So seven 30 at night, he doesn't, he doesn't watch any of that stuff. Right. Um, so it's just cool for him to see the hot dog wearing some glasses that night. Yeah. And, and so like, I think it's so cool that you get to bring your kids like to the ballpark and everything. So I have a, mm-hmm. an eight year old daughter and I get mm-hmm. to bring her to, to stuff around Wisconsin volleyball and Wisconsin women's basketball. And she, she loves it. I mean, she gets to see these players up close and gets to, you know, learn about everything that they have to do to prepare and being a student athlete and everything like that. And I saw a video too on your Twitter once at Brock, I think was uh, just 
you know, Josh Hader was throwing him some pitches and he, you know, rockets one off Josh Hader. I mean, how cool is that? That's pretty neat, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's really special. Um, and there's that fine line, and I'm, I'm sure you're, you're dealing with this too, where you want to have these opportunities for your kids. And because we do what we do, um, and for me, my son gets to come in the booth and, and hang out every now and again. It's a little different nowadays um, with everything that's going on around the world, but um, they used to come, the kids used to come for breakfast on Sundays. And, and we'd have family breakfast with the Grindles and, and the PR staff and all the other kids that, that are around. Um, so that doesn't happen anymore. But Brock will come in the booth and he's got this special relationship with Uke. Like Uke will come down and he'll be sitting in his, his seat and my seat and Brock will come in and Uke will go, Brock, come over here. And he's Uke always has gumballs in his in his bag. Really? And and he'll go, yeah, he's got gumballs from the clubhouse because he, he doesn't have a pancreas barely. So he's got to have his sugars every now and again. So he's got gumballs available okay. just in case he needs them. And so he'll go, Brock, come on, come on. And he'll open up his, his little bag, his briefcase. And you know, Brock will grab seven gumballs and stuff. I'm like, dude, just take one. Just take one. It's okay. But that's, that's their thing. Brock takes gumballs from Bob Uecker's work bag. Wow. And, and he has no concept of how cool that is. Yeah. The kids, kids, adults, grandparents would kill for that opportunity. So it's, it's really special. And, and I hope that at some point he realizes how lucky he is and how lucky he has been. Um, he never knew what my life was like in the minor leagues um, to get to where I am now. So it's that fine line of making sure to keep him on a, a level path. And this yeah. is not normal. Yeah. Don't tell your friends any of this kind of stuff. Just enjoy it. And one of these days you'll realize how lucky you are um, to have these cool opportunities and to hit rockets off of Josh Hader. And this year he hit on family day, Brent Suter was throwing pitches and he crushed one off of Brent Suter. It's like, this doesn't happen for, for other people. Um, it's, it's a very special thing that, that we are able to, the experience it's a special thing that he's able to experience and we're, we're just trying to keep him as humble as possible yeah yeah I'm, i mean when i was eight the minnesota twins won their first world series and i can just mm -hmm. imagine like because i was i actually fell asleep in the last game i remember that um but i found out the next morning they won but the point is like i can just imagine what that would have been like to be able to go to the ballpark and these these guys have you know, you, you watch and you listen to, I listened to a lot of radio as a, as a kid growing up and even in 91, like mm -hmm. even at that age at 11 to 12, that would have been amazing to just, just to be that close, let alone like hit some pitches off of them. That's awesome. Yeah. Just to have, yeah. Just to have that access um, and have these people like my son's birthday was a couple days ago, October 1st was his birthday. We were in Los Angeles. I was not able to, to be there for his birthday to wish him happy birthday. Hmm. Um, so FaceTiming and, and just doing different things. And all of a sudden Josh Hader walks by in the clubhouse or in the dugout. Cause I can't go in the clubhouse, but he walks by in the dugout and he goes, Hey, I heard it was your son's birthday. And I said, yeah, man, it is. He goes, Hey, can I send him a video? So Josh Hader, I just, I said, yeah, man, no problem. So I pop up my phone and he goes, Hey, happy birthday, Brock. Hope it's a good one. Go Brewers. 
and I sent it to Brock and it was just, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. But who, who gets a happy birthday wish from Josh Hader just because he wants to do it. First, it goes to the, the quality of a person that Josh Hader is, but what kid gets a happy birthday message from probably a three time pitcher of the year, yeah. a relief pitcher of the year. Right. It's yeah, just, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. awesome. By the way, you, you mentioned Josh Hader and it made me think of his hair. And I haven't cut my hair since March of 2020. I've got like a little, I don't know if you can see this, but, um, and I'm at a point here with my hair where I don't know what I want to do with it because I've committed so much time to this, this man bun ponytail thing I've got going here. And I know at some point, I mean, I had my hair like you, I had my hair like you at one point. It's tight. Um, Yeah. Tight. And, and so I don't know what to do with this, but the point of this is what is with the long hair in baseball nowadays, especially on the brewers. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I do like the shirts, though, with with Corbin Burns and Josh Hader. They got the Flow Bros shirts yeah. on. Um, it's pretty sweet. I, I don't I don't know what what it is with it. Um, I dig it, though. Mm-hmm. But for Hader, I mean, he's always had his hair long like that. And I think it's a good look for him. I think for Burns, more than anything, it, it might be a psychological thing, because every time he throws he throws a pitch, he goes back and he's kind of grabbing at his hair and stuff. And Maybe that's his mechanism to calm himself down. Yeah, there's no maybe it substance is substance on it, that hair, is there? I don't believe so. No, it's not like Clay Buckholz. Remember Clay Buckholz a couple of years ago with the with the Boston Red Sox? He had so much product going on in his hair. He had like sunscreen in it, plus shampoo, dry shampoo, and he had all kinds of stuff that was going on in his hair. Just a grease monkey. But other than that, it was it was crazy. I think it was yeah. 2013 when all that stuff was going down. Um, but for Burns, he's, he's got good flow. He's got really yeah. good flow. Same with Hater. I love yeah, it. It does kind of like calm him down or he's got that routine or whatever. Yeah. So, okay. So we mentioned Burns. So how many postseason awards is this Brewers team going to win? Uh, I think that they're going to have at least three. Okay. Three. I'm going to go Cy Young for Burns. I think he wins it. Um, even though he he gave up the three run homer to Turner in his last appearance, he wins the ERA title. All the numbers are great. I'm not a huge sabermetrics guy, but he's got all those sabermetric stats in his in his favor. I think Josh Hader wins reliever of the year for a third time. He won it in 18 and 19, and then I think he's going to win it again this year. So it'll be four straight years for the Brewers because Devin Williams won it last year. Um, and I think Colton Wong wins a Gold Glove. Oh, okay. So those are my three. Those are my three postseason awards. You mentioned Devin Williams there. That's that's a that's a tough injury. What how how badly are they going to miss Devin Williams? I think they're going to miss him a lot. Um, but in the in the playoffs, the Brewers have always had the hey, however we're going to get twenty seven outs, we're going to get twenty seven outs. They're going to get creative about it. But those are three big outs that you were counting on from Devin Williams. Whether they were going to be in the the eighth inning, it could have been in the third inning, it could have been in the fifth inning. Um, it hurts, it hurts, and I know nobody feels worse about it than Devin, um, because he had a moment of weakness there, mm-hmm. um, where he got frustrated, he punches a wall, and now he's out, and he's going to learn from it, he's going to be better for it, and uh, hopefully, he's able to to get better and get ready to go. And if the Brewers have a really long run in this thing, he might have a chance to pitch towards the end of it. I don't think the, the Brewers are, are banking on that, but there's a potential for it. Um, they're just going to do their best to try and get through it. And, and the beauty of postseason baseball is that you don't need 
to schedule guys in your rotation. You don't need to schedule guys in your bullpen. You're just going to try and get those 27 outs, however you're going to get them. I think the Brewers have plenty of opportunities to do that. You said if they go deep, he might have a chance. Uh, how deep? I mean, there's got to be a lot of excitement because when you start thinking how deep this team can go, the sky's the limit. This team can go all the way. Yeah, they really can, especially with the pitching that they have. You, you look at the three horses at the front, and starting pitching is so key in, in the postseason. You know, it, the only the only question mark I have is if the offense can can turn the switch on again. Because over the last two weeks of the season, that the offense was just kind of was really inconsistent, super inconsistent, especially after that series in Cleveland. Brewers sweep that series in Cleveland, and just kind of like you coasted. Uh, they had a fourteen game lead in the division. You're sitting there going, "Okay, here we go, no problems." And then the, the offense just kind of took a took a break. And um, hopefully, they can turn it back on. You're hoping that that. Yelich can get a couple of big hits when you need them. Hopefully Garcia comes back. Everything kind of goes through Colton Wong anyway. If Colton Wong gets on base, the top of the order, everything's going to be fine. And I think he's a, he's a postseason performer. He's done it before. Um, I, I hope the offense can come alive because the pitching staff runs are going to be hard to, to get against this team, man. They, they really are. I don't care if you're the, the Braves who hit 7,000 home runs during the regular season. Um, you know, their whole infield basically had 30 homer seasons, but I, I think that they, they have a really, really good chance to, to do something special here this year. Okay. Give me like the, the two or three keys. Cause you mentioned Wong, if Wong can get on base and that's, that's a good start. What are the two or three keys that we should be watching for when the playoffs start that, that signifies this is, this is going to be a, a potentially good day for the Brewers. I mean, it, it does start with Wong. I think Willie Adamas is a part of it. Uh, for me, putting the ball in play, that's such a big, big key for this Brewers team. And they were really going well beginning of August, end of July. They were putting the ball in play and they weren't striking out a whole lot. And I know strikeouts happen. It does. And you're going to be facing pitching staffs that are the best in baseball now because it's the postseason. But if they're putting the ball in play and they're having good ABs, much like the Cardinals did against them, over the last nine games when they played St. Louis, St. Louis just, it was death by a thousand paper cuts, right? It felt like every walk came around to score every opportunity that the, that the Cardinals got, they were turning it into runs. If the Brewers can do that and pop a couple of home runs, um, they're going to be all right. So I, I think it, again, it starts with Colton Wong, putting the ball in play, making plays on defense, um, those are, those are kind of the big three. And if you, you can play those, that type of game, you're going to have a really good run in the postseason for me. Okay. You mentioned Christian Yelich a couple answers ago as well. I, I pulled up his numbers. So the last two years, and I, I don't know, COVID year, I'll count it, whatever. 175 games, 140 hits, 21 homers, 73 RBI, 189 strikeouts, a 234 batting average. That, that's not the Christian Yelich of the previous two years. How, how does he get back on track? And I mean, what, what, if you had to break it down or as much as you could say, what do you think's going on? Great questions. All of those things. Yeah. And if I had those answers, I wouldn't be in the, in the play-by-play booth. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's curious what's going on with Christian because he was just so otherworldly in the second half of 2018, 2019 until he fractured his kneecap in September and then 2020 happens and just it's wild. He still hit 12 home runs in 59 games or however many games he played last year. 
And then this year, just the power went away. And I don't know if it's a, a thing with his back. He's been dealing with his back for a while. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Um, but he just hasn't hit for the power. And um, for whatever reason, he's he was hitting the ball hard there in the month of August for a long, for a little bit of time, for about three weeks. He was really scalding the ball, hitting it hard all over the place. Um, and now it's just kind of you hope that he can figure it out. He's still getting on base. He's still drawing his walks. He's just got to keep hitting the ball hard, and hopefully he, he finds some holes. And, and if he gets on base, guys have been driving him in. Um, Avi's had a great year, Avi Garcia. Hopefully Omar Narvaez can pick his game up a little bit offensively too. Escobar, you got Rowdy Telez over at first base, who's, who's had a nice year. Um, so hopefully he can find himself on base. I, I'm not sure how he gets back to it. I think he just needs to kind of clear the mechanism a little bit and get through all of this. COVID stuff that happened in 2020 and, and it's kind of carried over here into 2021 and hopefully towards the end of the season and after everything finishes off, everything clears out, he can have a normal off season and, and just be back to Christian Yelich. It's when his extension kicks in, it's when the big dollars start to kick in for him next year. Um, so hopefully his production kicks back in too. Okay. As we wrap up this podcast, one of the things that um, I used to do with Mike Keller when he was calling women's basketball games is, you know, I'd turn on the radio and I'd hear it and I'd text him like, Hey, say this word on the air. And it was the funniest thing. And then everybody in the car, like, Hey, quiet, listen. And then he'd do it. I've done that before. I don't know what it is about that, but I love doing that. I think it's because you get to hear the thing on the radio that you just texted the person. Um, have you, number one, have you ever done that? And number two, will you do that? If I give you a word? Yes, I have done it before. Um, and yeah, sure. I mean, if you want me to mix in like a triskaidekaphobia, um, what now the fear of the number, fear of the number 13. Um, I mean, I can, I can try it. I mean, I I'm curious to see what kind of word you're going to give me, see if I can mix it in though. Yeah. I mean, so I'm trying to think like, I I don't even know what word you said before. I can't even pronounce whatever you just said. Um, it's a one-time deal. One I'm out. I'm out. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not going to pick something that's outrageous. I'm going to give you a kind of a, an easy, I'm going to give you a softball one. Okay. Let's, okay. Okay. Let's say, uh, I, I mean, not a softball term. I mean, just like an easy one. Um, yeah. Let's a go volume. with, ah, it's going to be lame. Let's go with boomer. 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 Simple. Oh yeah. It's too simple. Is that too easy? No, it's great. Okay, I can give you a, a little bit more difficult one if you want. No, Boomer's awesome. I can Boomer. mix that in. Okay. Yeah, I thought do you have you have a second option? Um, let's see here. Second option, uh, sloth. Sloth. Okay. I mean, I think that would work All with right. like a slow base runner or something like that. Or so, Boomer or sloth. Yeah. How about sloth? Because then we can actually identify it better. Okay, sloth. Yeah, I will mix. See, I'm writing it down on my okay. Bell Ambulance notepad. <laughs> it is, it is happening. I'm going to mix sloth into game number one, the division series on Friday. Awesome, thank you, Jeff Levering. I appreciate that, and thanks for the time. Thanks for hopping on this. You, this is what I'm doing until I figure out what I'm going to do with my life. So, this is fun. I love it, man. You're you're gonna be whatever you're gonna do. You're gonna kill it because you're fantastic, John. Just keep up the good work. It's great to chat with you, and hope to cross paths soon.